Hey Buddha Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show, where we invite e-commerce entrepreneurs, marketers, and agencies to talk about e-commerce, the best strategies and tactics, and what to implement in your own e-com store. Before we jump into this episode, I ask you to subscribe to this podcast. Make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. And now let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, here is Daniel with a brand new episode of our e-commerce podcast. And today I'm here with one of the founders of Color and Light. And this is Aaron from uh, sunny San Diego, probably my favorite city in the US. So, hey, yeah, how are you, Aaron? It's good to have you here. I'm doing really well, enjoying my summer down here. Um, been working a lot. We're we're preparing to get uh, our shipment of our new product, Floriminian. We've got 1,500 units on a container that just got into LA yesterday. So just get wow. ready for that. Amazing. And do you spend most of your time uh, of the year in San Diego or somewhere else? Uh, actually, our business is in Oakland. Uh, so I'm, okay. I'm mainly in Oakland. I come down here, if I'm lucky, maybe two two months a year total. Yeah. But uh, most of the time I'm in uh, Oakland where our headquarters is. Yeah, I see. So I know you have a co-founder and maybe co-founders. Uh, tell, 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 tell us about the story. When did you start the company? How did you meet these co-founders? And uh, is this your first business or not your first one? So uh, this is our first business we are owners of. Uh, I have one co-founder. His name is Jake. Um, I, after I graduated college, I moved to San Francisco. This was about eight years ago and I really wanted to make a physical product and get in the startup scene. Um, and you know, I was young and really interested in that. And I, uh, essentially fell in love with LEDs as I was teaching myself how to code. Uh, I loved music and art and technology, and LEDs were such an incredible combination of all of those things, really programmable, really interesting and exciting. Uh, you could do all sorts of reactive things with it, music reactivity, um, light, you know, ambient light reactivity, stuff like that. So I dove super into that and was starting to uh, go to a bunch of meetups around the city, working on my own um, LED wristband product idea. And I ended up meeting my co-founder, Jake, and the company he was working with at the time, a company called Symmetry Labs, at one of these meetups in San Francisco. Uh, this company, Symmetry Labs, had been around since 2012 and was creating art installations for events and concerts and uh, trade shows uh, around the country at the time. And... So I met with them a couple times and uh, they were way further than I was uh, on LED hardware, technology, software. And so I just uh, decided I would go work for them. So I quit my consulting day job and started working with them uh, around 2017. Um, worked with my current co-founder, Jake, and a team of probably about eight to 10 people uh, mm -hmm. until late 2019. And then my co-founder and I left to start Color & Light. Uh, which is the company you see now. And so the idea with Color and Light was to con continue doing these large-scale art installations that we were really well known for and really good at, um, but also 
we wanted to take the technology and the experiences we were so good at creating into people's homes. Uh, and so now our vision for the company is to bring immersive lighting to homes and businesses around the world. Amazing. And you work with uh, companies such as Google, IBM, Nissan, Adobe, Salesforce. I can see even Super Bowl there. So wh what was that? Yeah, so, uh, you know, a lot of this, uh, we essentially have two arms of our business. One is a consumer product line and brand. These are the floor plants you see. Um, and then we have an art agency. The art agency was working with a lot of big brands to do experiential activations. So we would work with a Google or a Nike on a event they had. Maybe it was their co like yearly conference they had. We'd put up an art installation or work mm -hmm. with them to create an experience that would be a signature part of the event or activation. For the Super Bowl, there was a Super Bowl. Uh, the Super Bowl was held in San Francisco in 2015. No, 2016, I want to say. And we uh, did an activation at the Super Bowl City, which was in downtown San Francisco. And the 50th Super Bowl, as yes. I can see. Yes. Cool. And we've, had, we've been lucky enough to do lighting design for some really massive touring acts. We did some lighting design for 21 Pilots. Um, we put up some very large public art installations all around the world, Tokyo, Oslo, Norway, Dubai, Saudi Arabia, probably our most popular public art installation that's in the United States is at a space called area 15 in Las Vegas. We have a yeah. 20 foot tall led tree. That's the centerpiece there. Wow. That's, that's amazing. So it's not just in North America, but all over the world. Yes. And yeah. Oh, I was going to say some of this work we did with our previous company, Symmetry Labs, and yeah. some of the work we've done with the new company, Color and Light. Yeah, yeah. So what what exact what exactly the product is now? Please describe because, yeah, I think uh, yeah we should just get over it. What, what's the product? So our product line now is called Flora. It's an LED house plant. It's uh, the world's first immersive smart light for the home. So you can see it behind me looks like a house plant, uh, it works like a smart light. So you can put it on your home Wi-Fi network, control it with your phone, pick between a lot of interesting and exciting animations, effects, colors, it's music reactive. So it responds to music that's being played in the room. Oh, it's wow, that's great. It's reactive to the ambient light level in the room. So it can adjust its brightness as the light level gets lower mm -hmm. in the room. You can set and schedule different content to come on at different times of day. And uh, really what we, and so this is our second product. It's a smaller version of our first product. Our first product was about four and a half feet tall. It's a floor plant. Uh, we have about 600 people around the country with those products in their homes. And really what it does is it brings their homes and the spaces they put it into life. So it helps decorate the space set the mood, set the environment, create a really nice vibe in their living space. And it really enhances a lot of our customers' everyday lives. Uh, the main thing that we see is people say it's really soothing and relaxing. So at the end of a long day, they might be hanging out on their couch watching TV and it helps them decompress. But we have people that use it while they're working to help them focus using certain colors of LED light that promote focus. 
Um, when you have friends over, it's a great thing. If you're listening to music, you can really see the lighting come to life. So there's really a lot of different use cases for the product. Yeah, that's great. Um, and I know you are on Kickstarter as well. So crowdfunding is one of the major things that you are doing. Um, tell us more about, about this crowdfunding campaign. And if anyone wants to support you, how they can support you. Totally. So we've done two crowdfunding campaigns. Crowdfunding campaigns and platforms like Kickstarter are really amazing ways for companies to test the market to see if people will actually buy their product. It especially makes sense for products that have a very high development cost and high cost of making yeah. the product like ours. You know, there's a lot of technology in, in our product. So we wanted to validate the idea and product concept and price with a Kickstarter before we actually finished, you know, really invested in the R&D to do that. We did our first one in October of 2020 for the large plant. Second one in November of 2022, uh, about nine months ago for the mini. And uh, yeah, both of them ended up going really well, validated the market for us. And then we went on to finish developing the product. And now we are just getting ready. It's a really exciting time, actually. We're just getting ready to have 2,200 units of our Flora Mini come into California and have product in stock for the first time. So we're getting ready to launch the product. Uh, and we moved off of the crowdfunding platforms, and now people can uh, order our flora plants just directly through our website, which is floraplant.com. Yeah, actually, I just opened it now, and uh, I can see. So we can say it's a higher, uh, higher, higher price product. It's not luxury product, but two forty nine the flora mini, and yes. the plant is four nine nine. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, five hundred dollars, and uh, I think that's an affordable one for this very interesting product. And also, there is software with this uh, product. So, <clears throat> I think, uh, I, yeah, I can see this in e-commerce more and more that uh, there is a software combined with the physical product. I think Tesla was one of the companies who really, you know, they are the trailblazers in this. Um, what are your thoughts on this, that software and the physical product together? Um, also, I'm curious, which part was harder to develop, the software or the product, the physical product? <laughs> they both take about the same length of time. So what makes mm -hmm. our product really unique, obviously the hardware, the interesting form factors are one thing. Um, this is a natural form factor smart light for the home and nobody has done one that looks as beautiful as this before there's very cheap ones you can buy mm. uh, but it the form factor of the plant is really enabled by the software we have running on it so we have a volumetric or three-dimensional lighting engine inside of this plant what this means is that we can have animations and effects and colors flow through the canvas of the plant rather than just turning a leaf all one color uh, we can mix different colors within a leaf. Mm -hmm. And this essentially just gives us the ability to uh, invoke a, an order of magnitude, more feelings, emotions, textures, vibes than other smart lights on the market. So it's really the heart. And, and it also allows us to make a uh, three-dimensional piece of hardware and make that look and feel good and natural. If you look at other smart lights in the market, 
they started out just being what we'd call one dimensional points, which are just yeah. single point sources, light bulbs that you screw into a lamp or into your wall. Some of the higher end smart lights or decorative lighting fixtures in the house are now two dimensional. Uh, the biggest example of this is the nano leaf light panels. A lot of these products are wall mountable. So they're either flat panels or LED strips. Nobody has really delved into true three-dimensional lighting and three-dimensional form factors. And we think that the house plan is a really natural thing to put in your home. That's, it's a natural thing you already have in your home. You know, everyone yeah. likes and has them in their home. Um, so yeah, the, the combination of the hardware and software for us is what gives us, we think, uh, a really unique and singular product in the marketplace. And it also gives us more defensibility in the marketplace our hardware is really unique and hard to make, but it is still copyable as all hardware is. You know, people are copying Apple's AirPods, which is also an extremely yeah. hard piece of hardware to make. Uh, but the software layer on top is what really makes the experience of being in front of one of these, the experience of having it in your house, a magical thing. It elevates the experience of the product to the point where it is actually creating an experience in your house. It's not just another light. Yeah, it's a combination of the two that is unique, basically. Mm -hmm. So even if they copy one of them, that is still, especially the hardware, as you said, I think uh, that's more more common that somebody copies the hardware, but the software is, yeah, it's even more difficult to copy that. Yeah. When it comes to marketing strategies, so what what are the channels that uh, you've you have used so far? Totally. So we. As we were creating these products, we were essentially spinning up a new line of business, right? So our first line of business was an art agency. That is a more relationship-based business. More B2B, right? B2B, less clients, slower um, sales cycles, slower projects. And we had to reinvent ourselves to be essentially a D2C e-commerce company. And so a lot of modern D2C e-commerce companies are scaled based off of paid ads. And that's been the main uh, kind of user acquisition channel mm -hmm. we have used. Um, we are relying very heavily on an amazing, um, an amazing fact that our products are visually very stunning and beautiful and interesting. So that gives us a big leg up in when we do spend money on paid advertising, we are capturing people's attention. Oh, this is something people have never seen before. Um, and it also like lends itself naturally to the video based uh, social media um, platforms, mainly Instagram. We are using some of TikTok over something like Google where it's all text based. So we tend to do most of our spend on Instagram, a little bit on TikTok. Uh, we've grown quite a large audience on Instagram uh, and are growing on TikTok as well. Hey Budai Nation, welcome to the Ecom Show. I ask you to subscribe to this podcast and if you like it, make sure you share it with at least one friend. As you probably know, we don't run ads. Our growth is purely organic, so it would mean the world to me if you could support us. I hope we can serve our audience in the best way. And now let's jump into the episode. Yeah, I think you have a spectacular product and uh, that's a huge advantage when it comes to advertising on Facebook, Instagram. I don't know if you tried Pinterest, but probably that's something that I would try uh, because 
I think it's un undervalued and it's also uh, more image-based or, or video-based much more than Google. So yeah, that's just another interesting platform. Yeah, yeah. I've heard Pinterest a couple times and I think, you know, we're getting ready to make a new advertising push now that we have product in stock. We have been almost exclusively advertising pre-sale products for the last two years and we're super excited to have a bunch of extra product mm -hmm. in stock uh, because with the pre-sale products, you're only getting a very small percentage of the mature marketplace. You're getting the early adopters and visionaries only. Mm -hmm. um, but I think Pinterest is really exciting and interesting for us to explore because one thing we've noticed is one of the biggest time signals of somebody buying our products is they have a new space. They're moving into a new place with maybe with their okay. girlfriend, boyfriend. They're trying to decorate a new home or a new apartment. And I think you are more likely to use Pinterest in that moment when you're like creating a mood yeah. board for what do I want the interior design style of my space to be? So I think we might get a little bit more naturally get a little bit more uh, people that are closer to that time signal that we've seen to be a really good indicator of when someone buys our product. That's very interesting. How did you catch that trend that these guys, they are actually moving I, I think I just caught it by talking to a lot of our customers. A lot of our yeah. customers are are saying, "Hey, I'm I'm about to move into a new place. I really want to buy this product. When's mm -hmm. it? You know?" And then a lot of people are asking, "Oh, when are you going to come to Europe? Or when are you going to come to Australia? Or when's it going to ship?" Right. So I naturally, after having a conversation with these types of people, will realize, "Oh, they're." They want it now, which is why they don't want to wait for us to go to Europe for three months for it to ship. They're decorating their place in the next two weeks. They need, yeah, they yeah. need their home, home decor soon. Yeah, that's, that's a great uh, feedback indeed. And that's why you have to talk to your customers. And no matter if you are a small company, a startup or a mid-sized or a big company, I think the founder, they should always talk to, the, to at least a few customers so the, so, to see these trends. Totally. Uh, I, I'm so I'm also curious how big is your team? So it's only two of you that built all of these things, or you have a bigger team. So how many people do you need to, you know, build the software, the physical product, promote them? And I know you have the B2B side of the company, or that actually that's a different company. <laughs> so you you do all of these things, but how many people? Yeah, it's actually the B2B side is actually the same company. So we run both under the same company. Uh, we have three full-time people, myself, my co-founder, and a mechanical engineer. And the mm -hmm. three of us cover a really large area of work. Um, so those are the full-time resources. Um, and then we have probably six or seven different contractors we work with. Yeah, um, We're bootstrapped, so we have to be super, super lean, like uncomfortably lean essentially is is the only way we can survive and um so that means not hiring resources full-time that means uh you know using people only when we need them and yeah. so uh on the product development side you know we've got i'm i take a project manager <laughs> role i run the business i uh coordinate a lot of the scheduling marketing finances um my co-founder leads all of our engineering mainly and mainly does a lot of our software development. So he wrote our animation engine himself, done a lot of the work on the mobile app, a lot of the software infrastructure, 
Um, and then our, our employee, our mechanical engineer, has done a lot of the industrial design of the product. So he's the one who's uh, creating the, the CAD files of each of these pieces of hardware that are in the product, making the tools in China, dealing a lot with um, him and I set up the supply chain and manufacturing of the product. Uh, on the contracting side, we have uh, some marketing help, some people that help us with Facebook ads. Um, we have a, an electrical engineer that helps us do circuit board design, wiring. We have a mobile app engineer, that full stack engineer, I guess, that helps us with the iOS and Android version of the mobile app. Um, let's see what else we have here. Um, we've, we've at times brought on a supply chain consultant to help us set up the supply chain, make sure we're negotiating contracts right in China. And then on the art side of the business, it's a very project-based business. So we'll bring in essentially a, a whole team to do a large art installation. Sometimes we use heavy machinery operators, people that are using boom lifts and uh, cranes. And uh, we have riggers that are rigging large pieces of the art installation up bunch of art fabricators that you know have miscellaneous skills uh production hands and all that yeah so actually you rely on a lot of people but as you said they are not uh not full-time and you want to keep it lean and i think that's the right approach so also you can stay nimble and uh faster than you know bigger companies so yeah that's great um how do you see the role of email marketing and yeah, I'm just curious. What are your thoughts on that? I I am loving email marketing more and more as I go on. You know, I'm learning myself like mm. more about building an e-commerce business, a D2C e-commerce business, not building an art agency. And uh, so this whole business model is new to me, but I've seen email marketing really work well. Um, it's super powerful and just making sure you have a, pipeline where you've created a funnel that's deliberate you know maybe you're driving traffic to your website with paid ads but then the real goal if somebody doesn't purchase your product is to get their email so then you can put them in an email funnel and spend some time nurturing them right maybe somebody's loves your brand they're just like hey i just don't want to buy this right now i don't have the money now's not the right time whatever it is if the interest is there, then you can continue to have a relationship with them, educate them about your product. We get to yep. tell people about all the new art installations we're putting up, which is an added plus, uh, show people other, you know, educate people on other interesting experiences happening in the United States, um, immersive experiences. And so, you know, email marketing is so amazing for forging that longer term relationship with people. And then when they are ready to, to buy, you know, uh, they can buy it, but really just, I feel like it's been great for just like having a relationship with a lot of cus customers or potential customers, people that uh, are fans of the brand. Yeah, 100%. And your uh, product prices in, the, in a, you know, it's a few hundred dollars. So it's not a uh, typical, I think most e-commerce businesses, they sell some, something between $20 or 100 bucks. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, in, impulse buying behavior is, is quite crucial there, but I think yours is, is different. And I can see that higher AOV companies, uh, for them, email marketing is even more important because the buying cycle is just longer and 
you know if they uh, so they just don't buy at the first time they want to be educated or or maybe entertained or get familiar with you more so they want more relationship and it's just a different buying decision than buying a i don't know a skincare product for 15 bucks so yeah email is even more important one one really interesting learning we had obviously i think our our product is a higher end product um but the exciting thing about it is something that's going to last 10 years it's going to really become a part of your home but what we didn't really think about when we were making this product is it's actually a what people put in their home as decoration is a very personal and big decision. We had a lot of people that were like, I love the product, but I need to like talk to my wife or husband. Yeah. They want it in the house. And that was such an interesting thing. Like we didn't consider before when we were um, developing the product is Mm -hmm. it's actually a big, big and very personal decision to put something in your house permanently. Yeah. That's very interesting. They asked their wives and their, relatives about this decision um Mm -hmm. do you want to talk about the the nike event that you so you work with nike right yeah um i would say yeah i'm happy to talk about that so the nike uh installation we did was with our previous company symmetry labs uh they had a pop-up shoe experience and we ended up framing some shoes in some led cubes for this experience and it was at the back of a store um i can pull an image for you to to show on screen later if you would like um but these kinds of experiences these pop-up experiences are really amazing for brands to connect with their audiences and you know more so than just a physical moment in time they get amazing content from the event that they can repurpose for their social medias and um, all these other things. And so, yeah, it, it really gives them the ability to have an in-person impact and then also just expand that out to like the rest of their brand. Yeah. 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 I see. Um, I have only one more question to you today. So what would be your number one tip to someone else who is starting a, you know, startup and they want to use Kickstarter or Indiegogo and what should they focus on? They already have a product. Maybe they even want to add the software to it. So what would you tell them? What should they focus on? I would say these days, uh, attention is the hardest part of having a new product. So really think about how are you going to draw attention to your product? Uh, The default way is unfortunately Mm -hmm. to spend a lot of money on advertising. So you don't have a really unique interesting way of getting eyeballs onto your product you're going to have to have some extra money in the bank to pay for the attention you're going to get for your product Uh, i get a lot of young founders that ask me you know oh you guys had a successful kickstarter how'd you do it and yes our product you know you need to check all the boxes of interesting product you know something people haven't seen before something exciting but if you don't have the attention box checked i think that's the the one that a lot of younger founders will tend to overlook, uh, you're not going to get past square one. The days of viral organic Kickstarter campaigns are pretty much over. Um, unfortunately, these crowdfunding platforms are not, you know, you look at the ca- the campaigns everyone knows about, like Pebble Watches, where they were raising millions of dollars on there completely without spending on ads. It's not happening anymore. Unfortunately, uh, these platforms are a little bit past their peak. You're going to get 
single digit percentage of natural uh, revenue from these platforms, but it's really up to you to drive the traffic and the attention onto your product. So really think that through would be my main bit of advice. Yeah, actually, that's a good point that, uh, and, you know, I interviewed quite many Kickstarter uh, campaign owners and, you know, if they, when they hit six, seven figure amounts or yeah, like bigger amounts, then I can see that they spent a lot on ads and, and email marketing, all of those marketing activities. So, and I know there are even agencies for this. So yeah, right. it's, uh, n- nowadays it's, it's ra- rarely an organic thing, especially if they make it big. So yeah, I would yeah. say if you don't have money to spend um, and, and the return on ad spend is going to be lower than you think, unless, you know, your, your product is really interesting. Mm-hmm. We have a, a yeah. relatively high one and it's still difficult sometimes. Uh, compared to other e-commerce brands. But I would really think about becoming a content company first than if you don't have Mm -hmm. the cash. So like get on TikTok and find your niche and create organic content until that content starts to take off. And then I would start to think about uh, doing a product pre-sale. Yeah, actually, that's a great tip. Yeah. Uh, Thanks, Aaron, for coming here today and sharing your story. And uh, if anyone wants to check out this product or, or buy one, um, then go to their website, colorandlight.art, and you will find two products there. Um, it's called Flo- Flora. Yeah, you can actually, so that's our agent art business website. You can actually go to floraplant.com, F-L-U-O-R-A-P-L-A-N-T, or check us out on Instagram. Yeah. So you have two websites and if somebody wants to check out the products and buy directly, then go to (coughs) floraplan.com and you will find both products there. So again, many big companies, many large companies, they decided to work with these guys and get these amazing products. So Google, Adobe, the 50th Super Bowl, they also get those products. So I'm pretty sure they are amazing and uh, make sure you check them out. And yeah, thanks again, uh, everyone. Also, I will put another link into the description, which is from my company, Budai Media. And we collected our top 100 email templates and we put them into one document. So everyone can go to the link and download this. My company, we've sent out almost a half a billion marketing emails up to date. So we collected the top 100. And uh, thanks again, Aaron. Thanks, everyone. Stay tuned and have a great day. No problem. It was a pleasure talking, Daniel.